0: Coming live from Tauranga, New Zealand is our guest this morning. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like and comment on whichever platform you are watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Simon Fowler, straight away from New Zealand, Tauranga, New Zealand. He is an entrepreneur and director of uh, The
1: Color Code. Welcome to the show, Simon. Hi, AJ. Absolutely great to meet you and thanks for having me along. Thank you. Thank you for your time. So,
0: Simon, we'll be talking about essential human skills for the future. You put a lot of focus on human skills. What do you call human skills as, you know, as human skills as such?
1: yeah I guess there's a there's a whole host of things there AJ and um, maybe a term that the audience is more familiar with is the idea of soft skills so we we talk about soft skills and okay. straight away that that just sort of starts to grate with me well I'll maybe explain why today but yeah soft skills or human skills and that's the, the areas I'm talking about right right so
0: why are they necessary see people today it's a competitive world and everywhere it's about competition it's like Go for the kill. And go for the kill is not a soft skill or not a human skill. It is a very competitive world. How does one survive uh, with just soft skills uh, in today's world? Is that possible? You are doing a lot. You have lived your dream and you are from, uh, from outside. You have now in, been in New
1: Zealand. You, you have been turned into an entrepreneur. So how does it work for you? Yeah, it's, and like I say, I, I do very much feel like I'm living my dream. I've uh, I've spent 20 years plus working in the pharmaceutical industry in the UK, um, and then we we followed our dream of moving to New Zealand, and that gave me the opportunity to establish my own business. Um, so it still makes me smile when I see the word, word entrepreneurial on the screen because for for 20 odd years I've been in the corporate world, but yeah, I'm loving that chance to to sort of start my own business. And I was really interested in your your comment there, actually, AJ. So. Um, I'm challenging myself now to think can we can we survive just with soft skills because of of course we need the competency to do our roles to do whatever we're doing so of course we need the more more hard skills we we need the competencies to do our job but when it comes to to differentials to to real cutting edge to making that difference I I think that's where soft skills or human skills come in and set us apart from our competition and I I think they're absolutely vital no matter what role you're in right right so Uh, Simon, you have
0: worked for companies, you are a businessman. Now you are working with, you know, Insights Discovery. You are a partner to Insights Discovery in New Zealand and you have that company. So how does it work for you? How did you get into it? You say that you you were not a, a regular salesperson, even though into a sales job. You were much more of a thinking person and you know much more human sort of a person. And how did it change for you? Can you tell us a bit about your background, your journey uh, uh, that led you to go get into New Zealand? I see on the background such a nice, beautiful, you, you know, frame that I can see and I wish I could be behind, uh, you know, uh, speaking from such a location.
1: Yeah, with, with COVID opening up, I hope more and more people get the chance to come to New Zealand because it, it's just such a beautiful part of the world. Um, and yeah, I guess that's all been part of my journey. So um, a long time ago now when I had a lot more hair than this, I was graduating from university. So I was a, a farmer's son and I went to university to study agriculture. My uh, my dad really persuaded me to, to go to university and, and meet other people and, and get sort of some education. So I went away to university. And when I graduated, like many people did, I was I was looking for some overseas experience. So um I wanted to go traveling and I wanted to come and visit some family in New Zealand. And when I was at that stage, I'd just graduated and started to, to think about my trip. My my dad showed me an advert for a job in the paper with Pfizer, the pharmaceutical co- company. And I thought, well, what a what a great experience to have. To they were looking for a, a six-month position to launch a new product. So they were looking for a sales force to to cold call on farmers and and go and sell a product. And I thought, well, I certainly didn't want to get into sales. I had aspirations of being a consultant or something like that. Um, But I thought if I could get six months experience with a blue chip company like Pfizer and some sales experience, I thought it would just give me a great start. Um, And probably more importantly at the time, I thought it would give me some pocket money to go traveling to New Zealand. So I took up that six months um, sales position. Um, which turned into a, I think, a 22-year career with the same company. Um, so I, I often say I've only had one job. But in that, in that process, I went into sales thinking I was a bit of an imposter. I was, I was more introverted. I was quieter. I wasn't that that stereotypical double glazing salesman that we all think of when we when we first think about sales. But as part of my time with Pfizer, I was I was given this mysterious profile, and it, it turned out to be an insights profile. Um, and this Insights Profile really taught me about myself. So it it taught me about my natural strengths. It, it taught me how I show up in the world. It, it taught me how to, to interact more effectively with a variety of other people. And at, at that stage, I think that's what turned on the first big light bulb for me. I thought, okay, so... To be an effective salesperson, I didn't need to be that that stereotypical double-blazing salesperson. Um, I could do sales in my own way, which, from my preference, was all about understanding the needs of my customers, supporting their business, um, and doing it in a in a different way. So it, it's all about self-awareness and, and leveraging your strengths to to do what uh, what you need to do. So to me, it, it just really resonated and, and helped me a lot in that that early part of my sales career. Right. Right you talk a lot about
0: self awareness what according to you is self awareness and what should people know about themselves because there are so many things that a person will come to know about him himself or herself and would not be you know uh, decipher which one he he or she is actually is what he or she is actually is and who tells him what what is good and what is not good for him or her
1: yeah there's some great points there actually aj and i love the way you say according to me what's self-awareness because i'm sure if you ask lots of your audience would would all tell you different things about self awareness yeah Um, i had a fascinating conversation with my wife um, probably about 12 months ago now because i was talking about insights and i was saying uh, how i did self-awareness and she was saying you, you don't do self-awareness um, because my wife's passion is um, mindfulness and meditation. So she she thinks that's self-awareness. Um, whereas to me and this guy, self-awareness is, is understanding yourself. It, it's understanding how you're naturally wired and how you show up to the world. Um, but it, it's also having an awareness of how, how other people will perceive you. And I guess to your point, AJ, is, is there's often no right or wrong with it. it. It's based on perception. So I might have my own perception, my own self-awareness of how I think I show up. Um, if I asked you, AJ, you might have a totally different perception. Um, if I asked the clients that I worked with today, 10 people in the room could all have a different perception of how I showed up. So to me, self-awareness is, is partly knowing your strengths, but it's having an awareness of, of how other people will perceive you as well. But I really see self-awareness is it's such a foundational skill. It, it comes into so many of the areas. And obviously, we're, we're going on today to talk about essential human skills, I could argue that, that self-awareness is the foundation for all of them because it because it's maybe aware about dealing how uh, knowing how we deal with change. It's maybe knowing how we communicate with people. It's maybe coming up with our own resilience strategies. So it, it's such an ongoing um, journey. I don't think self-awareness ever stops, but it, it's a real building block for, for all sorts of other key skills. Right, right, Simon. So in
0: terms of what was the awareness that Dawn on you, you were working with Pfizer, such a big company in the UK for so many years and everything was going great. And then you decided you, you know, you you came to know about something from your inside and then you decided to move to New Zealand, become an entrepreneur. And today you are, you know, focusing so much of insights and you have a partnership with uh, Insight Discovery.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I guess um, early on with Pfizer, I started in that sales role Um say so I, I went on to work with them for 20 years. So I worked in various sales teams and we were obviously dealing in animal health. So um, it was normally vets and farmers that I was dealing with. Um at one stage with my career, I moved into uh, marketing with Pfizer. So I had a secondment to the marketing team. Um, I then became a consultant and used to consult around different areas to support other businesses. And then towards the end of my career, with um, the, the company on the animal health side, became Zoetis looking um, after animal health. And there, I became a, a sales manager. And I think what I noticed again when I went into leadership, I, I sort of fallen back to my old trap of, of when I started managing and leading the team, I was going back to my own preference. And, and what I noticed at that stage was going back to that learning from insights was you don't treat people how you like to be treated, you, you treat them how they like to be treated. So I was falling into the trap of, of managing people by being too um, too detailed and too analytical, whereas some of the team just wanted to be free and more spontaneous. So I used insights again at that point. Um, and then when I came towards the end of my career with Pfizer and Gozoetis at that stage, I loved every every minute. It was an amazing company to work for. He, he put us through all sorts of developments. But I, I just fell into that trap. I thought if I didn't make some changes, I would have been there for the rest of my career um, or the rest of my working days. And I wanted to challenge myself to do something differently. And that that's what sort of took us to New Zealand. But it was actually it was my, my wife's career. So they, they didn't want another sales manager in New Zealand. That wasn't an essential skill. But they were desperate for midwives. And that, that was my wife's career. So that gave us the opportunity to move over here. So at that stage, um, I left my career with Zoetis um, rather reluctantly, if I'm if I'm honest. And, and I was then sort of helping the kids settle. I was a stay at home dad and, and doing the childcare. And it, it just gave me that time to think, okay. So when I when I can work again, when we've sort of filled our visa requirements, what did I want to do? And I thought it it would be a missed opportunity if I didn't seize that chance to to build my own business. I thought I could take all these things that I've learned and put them into practice in my own uh, my own business. And so I, I did that thing, I'm, I'm sure many of us on LinkedIn or, or different sort of articles we've seen about the, the thoughts about working out your own icky guy. So I went through that process of thinking, okay, what's from my career and from my development, what do I, what do I love doing? What do I think there's a value for? What, what do clients want that they're prepared to pay for? Um, and what am I good at? And out of all those things, it, it then brought me back to this idea of insights so I got back in touch with Insights and I said, hey, look, I'm, I'm over in New Zealand. These days I've been accredited before. Um, what's the opportunity to deliver Insights in New Zealand? And that's when I found out there weren't any other distributors or partners based in New Zealand. So I took up that opportunity. So I formed the Colour Code to become a partner for Insights in New Zealand. And I also worked for Insights as an associate consultant to, to deliver the Insights learning for, for some of the, the larger organisations. Right. Right. So, uh, Simon, now
0: insights discovery, the tool psychometric tool that you use and you are a partner of uh, to color code is when is the time when is the time to use a tool like that to understand oneself better? Is there a particular time for anybody? Is it only for business settings or should it be used in? Uh, earlier stages of life, we, to people actually understand whether uh, they want to be make they want to make profits or they want to be going into philanthropy or social work, so that it can you know di- distinguish between that. How yeah. does it work for people uh, like that? Because you talk we talked about self awareness. So instead of getting aware yourself, you take help of different tools that are available in the market uh how do you see this whole thing
1: yeah absolutely and I think that was part of my process and that's why I chose to invest in the color code and the partnership is of all my learning and development with Pfizer they, they put me through tremendous development and I'll always thank them for that but I feel like I used insights every day of my career it it just helps you in so many areas and it helps you connect with other people so you can certainly use it in the in the in the sort of professional setting so you can use it and thinking, okay. So um, I work in a team, and and how do I interact? I notice other people seem to work differently than I do. So how do I how do I adjust? How do I work with them? How do I get that curiosity to connect better with my teammates? We we certainly use it for connecting with our clients as well. So for that sales process, thinking, okay, so. I've got a client i've got a mixture of products and services and and how do i adjust my style or or what i talk to them about or how i deliver that message to to really resonate and drive that client loyalty i certainly use it in leadership so in leadership thinking okay so as a leader what what's my leadership style how do i show up as a leader what do i do very naturally but then who's in my team and and what tweaks or what adjustments do i need to make to really understand and motivate and the people that i'm leading so there's so many um, sort of ways that we can put it into practice in the work setting. And even more, more recently, you know, how, how do I adjust to change? So in this changing world, what, what is there in my self-awareness that, that teaches me and um, that reminds me of how I show up at these moments of change? So there's, there's lots of professional settings. When I, when I then sort of um, set up the color code, I think the other thing I noticed as an entrepreneur is that I'd gone from a huge multinational organization that had thousands of employees with totally different strengths and skill sets. And if I needed certain support, I only needed to pick up the phone and I could get that support. That was the beauty of such a, a great team. Whereas when you when you then sort of put a, a pot up in your gardens, you start your own business, you, you feel very isolated. So I went back to Insights to think about my strengths, to think, okay, so these are my strengths. These are what I can do very well, and this is what I enjoy doing. But as, a, as an entrepreneur, if I want a successful business, I've got to realize there's some things that I don't do naturally and either invest to help to get other people to help me doing that or to put in my own development to help me get in better. So um, it certainly helps in that entrepreneurial and startup stage and it, it helps personally as well. Um, I think just about every session I do with a client, someone will, will come up to me at, at the break and say, oh, you know, um, does, this, does this work with partners at home? Um, and we say, yeah, absolutely. It's it's understanding yourself and it's understanding different people. So that doesn't need to just be in the professional setting. It, it helps in all those different spaces. Right,
0: right. So Simon, now in terms of soft skills, you know, mm. uh, when in now this whole world, especially after COVID, during COVID, this whole concept of work, work from home, remote working, you know, hybrid work. And then there was this great resignation. Everything has changed and everybody is trying to figure out what do employees want? What does a worker want? What does the economy want? And what does the future want? And still everybody is working towards understanding that. How do you see? Because see, the great resignation has clearly told everybody that listen, we have our own respirations and we want to live a life that we want to. Everybody aspires for it, but now they have a chance to live the life that they want because of technology, because of, you know, the way things have opened up uh, in, in every sphere of life. How do you see that for soft skills? And what when when, it, when you call them as soft skills, does it have a future which can give you both bread and butter as well as living your dream? How do you see this whole concept?
1: Yeah, and I think just that that very conversation, you know, you, you've made some great points there. And it, it emphasizes the absolute need for human skills. Um, because the world's changed, all, all those lines have suddenly become blurred. And I think the amazing thing it's given is all this choice. So now, you know, maybe five years ago, we would have taken for granted that we work for a large, and to do our job, we had to jump on a bus or jump in the car and go to that office, whereas we've now learned that we can work very successfully remotely. Um, There's lots of jobs that we can do from from different locations. The world's getting smaller. I think the very fact that you and I are having this conversation in in such different parts of the world proves that. Um, So and I think this idea of the great resignation, it, it, it's showing people that, okay, we can do those things differently. And I'd say to anyone, you know, think very carefully. It's, you know, starting your own business. There's, there's some amazing things about it, but it, it's certainly not all easy. So really think about, you know, the, the benefits and the pros and cons of both sides. But the, the thing I think it's giving to employers is we need to really value and understand our, our colleagues because now if, if people are thinking about these different things, do we, do we need to insist that they must be in the office to do this job? Or if we want the right employees, do we have to be more flexible to what we offer them in terms of remote working or um, working in different ways? So, yeah, there's, there's so much to what you just said that, that affects the skills that are essential. But I think partly to your point as well, if if we can see that there's so much change going on in the world, so, you know, remote working pandemics, um, the great resignation, technology replacing jobs. I mean, crikey, there's been a, a number of surveys that, that have been done to say 75 percent of our jobs could be replaced by technology. So right. change is, is just going to be such a constant thing. So that to me then affects the human skills that are essential because it, it then becomes about things like um, agility, and resilience or uh, growth mindsets that are, that are going to be the real skills that, that sort of see people thrive in the future. Right. Right. Uh... Simon. So you see the soft
0: skills, which a lot of people used to say that this person is soft, it's not his, he cannot do this job. Or, you know, when you got to go for the kill, the person is will not be able to do it. And now, with the advent of technology, what is happening to places around us? You see, empathy is diminishing a lot of places. There is so much of, you know, mental stress, mental issues that have arisen. And the biggest problem that you find is that you, with hundreds and hundreds of communication tools, there is so much of, you know, non-communication happening, no communication happening. And even if there is a communication happening, the tools, uh, with, within the tools itself, there is so much of, you know, things that get lost in translation. So do you think now that the times of so-called soft skills have come and those will take the center stage as technology starts taking our lives into its grip? How do you see it from a place sitting there
1: in New Zealand? Yeah, and I think um, that that idea of loss in translation is a perfect one, because maybe that's what's happened with the idea of soft skills so let's not call them soft skills let's call them human skills let's call them es- essential skills because you know i noticed that you you, you mentioned that idea of, of not being able to go for the kill so a soft skill wouldn't suggest that someone can't go for the kill soft skills would say someone who is a great communicator would have great soft skills so that might mean someone who can can sort of take on board conflict who can have those challenging conversations um, who can be more purposeful when they need to so someone with soft skills isn't that sort of traditional person who we, who we thought of as soft or weak, far from it. Um, so let, let's call them human skills or essential skills. But yeah, now, now without a doubt is the time. And again, for, for some of the reasons you've said is it's been a ch- tough, challenging few years. Um, we've seen some amazing colleagues um, who've been suffering from burnout. I don't think yet we're over from the human effects of going through a pandemic. Um, you know, people are still finding their way with all that. So we could have managers that, that might have great technical skills, but it, if they can't be there for the colleagues, if they can't show that empathy, that understanding, that connection, then they're going to lose those colleagues. And I think to, to balance out so partly we've got the great resignation, that idea of people leaving. The other thing we're certainly seeing in New Zealand, if not around the world, is a skill shortage. So, if you're losing your best colleagues through burnout, through lack of empathy, through lack of connection, and then you can't replace them, your your business will be in dire situations. So, connecting, empathy, um, you know, all those skills we spoke about, and supporting our teams up in those skills is absolutely non-negotiable. Right, right. So,
0: what are some of the skills, if you can name, uh, Simon, which will have demand going forward uh, that will actually be you know useful in terms of getting you not just an employment but a good employment and as
1: well paid as any other definitely so I I went for four so I knew in our conversation we'll be discussing these uh, these future skills so and um, the first one I thought about is the idea of having a growth mindset um okay. so I uh, I did a poll on on my LinkedIn audience um, probably a couple of months ago now, and I can't remember the number of respondents, but it it had a decent number of respondents. And I asked the audience, I said, okay, so in your next hire, the next person you're looking to recruit, would you prioritise skill set or mindset? What proportion do you think went for mindset? Could you have a guess, AJ? What what proportion of respondents said they would pr- prioritize mindset over skill set? Well, it's
0: difficult to fathom. It all depends on the type of audience you have. Depends yeah. on the type of
1: composition of that. Can you you tell? So, 100% of the respondents said they would choose um, skill. Would choose mindset over skill set. And I, I expected more to come through with mindset, but it, it surprised me that 100% did. But I think some of the comments coming back were suggesting, well, we, we can teach skills. We, we can't always teach a positive and a growth mindset. So to me, a, a growth mindset is just that, that curiosity to learn. It's that, that openness to think that we've never got it perfect, that we, we can take on new skills, that we're, we're open to learning as opposed to thinking that we've done it all before or we're perfect and, and not being able to take on new skills. So again, when we think back to some of the challenges that you were already discussing. So if our roles are being replaced by technology um, or if technology is advancing so quickly, we, we need to be able to keep that, that curiosity to learn and take on new skills. So growth mindset's got to be right there in one of the essential skills. And it, it isn't, it, it's something we can learn. But it, again, it, it takes a lot of self-awareness and honesty. Um, I sometimes hold sessions with clients and you, you see people sort of that, that frustrated look and that folding of the arms and you know, I'm, I'm too old for this or I've, I've heard this all before. That's not helpful. Um, you know, we, we've got to open that mind to taking new information and to, to allow that, that development to, to keep going. So, yeah, growth mindset absolutely to me is an essential human skill for the future.
0: Okay okay and any other growth mindset and i hope um, a lot of people do not un- mistake growth mindset several uh, people believe growth mindset may be maximum agro- growing of profits i i hope they don't uh, m- misunderstand these two words
1: yeah absolutely and obviously for entrepreneurs and businesses there's, there's nothing w- wrong with it one thing we should be all expecting that that growth in finance but to me I want right. to see one reflect the other. So I'm I'm sort of 100 percent positive that the growth in these human skills will lead to a growth in business. That's that's why my passions for them is as a businessman. Um, but I think you know growth mindset. It, it's yeah, it's not about the growth of the business in terms of KPIs and figures. It's that growth of ourselves in terms of I, I think I can keep developing, keep learning, and also being accepting and welcoming of the growth of others in my team. So yeah, it's that, that ability to take in new information and that the desire to learn more. Um, right. Another one I'd go for is is the idea of resilience, um, okay. and I think with resilience, um, I've I've seen it. So there's some people we mention resilience, and there's that eye roll we've, we've heard it so often. It's oh, we're being told just to get on with it. But again, in our conversation so far, AJ, we we know there's been so much change. Um, you know, we travel has been restricted. We've been working from home. We face things that we we weren't even aware of three or four years ago, uh, and the world will keep changing. So, to me, resilience is is just knowing that yet those changes will come, but it, it's being aware of how you how you react to that. It's coming up with your own strategies, your own coping mechanisms. And back to my uh, my wife's passion for mindfulness, she she said to me, she said, "We we can't change the way, the waves, but we can learn to surf." So it's knowing that that things will will come and go, that there'll be highs and lows, but it, it's having that resilience to ride that and and knowing our own personal path through that to to be resilient through those changes. Right, right. So one is growth mindset, then there is resilience. Uh, anything more? Uh, yeah, more time- close to close to resilience is um, I would go with agility. So if if resilience is is knowing how you cope. Um, with those changes, with those things happening, agility is the ability to change. Okay, so again, okay. whether it's, whether it's your own business or whether it's you um, trying to future, future proof yourself in a large organization, if I, if I was a CEO of a big company and I thought, okay, so we've got leadership changes, we've got acquisitions, we've got new products, we've got new technology. I want people that can roll with those punches. I'd, I'd want people that, that know their strengths. And that can think, OK, so my job's changing, but this is how my skill set can, can be adapted. This is how I can adapt to know what's expected of me. What we don't want is people that have that, that instant negative reaction to things or can't see the positives in things. So knowing how we can adapt, knowing how we can change and levering, leveraging our skills and our strengths as we as we go through those changes, um, I think agility is going to be absolutely key. Right. And right. Uh, i've got one more yeah, for you yeah yeah carry on um, and again we, we've touched on it already but I, i'd say the other one is the ability to connect and collaborate at distance so Great. the power of human connection will never go um yes. i've moved to new zealand and you know i commonly hear it's people first people buy from people so there's a there's a whole load of things that can be replaced by technology but i don't think human connection can ever be replaced so that ability to connect with people is is vital and these days you know that ability to connect at distance so as as, as organizations go multinational we've got different time zones we're working with colleagues that we might never ever meet in in person we've got multiple generations for the first time working together who you know generation x generation y gen z um, different different nationalities that's all really positive but we've got to find authentic ways where we can connect with those people and we can find quick ways to work effectively enforce force you know effective uh, relationships that, that can sort of serve our work together so i'd say that was the the last one for me
0: right right and i i, I was about to ask otherwise you mean power of human connection we can another another word for it can be empathy
1: yeah, I think empathy is certainly there. So, um, again, we, we, we don't all need to be the same. In fact, far from it is is if we're all too similar. I'd, I'd say, and you know, I had this discussion with the team today, is is if if we all get on perfectly, if we all communicate the same way, have similar ideas, we, we never up the boat. I think there's a danger sign there is, is our, our thinking is never going to be round enough. We, we want those uncomfortable moments where we notice someone's coming from a totally different place. Um, because that, you know, that's that that sort of different ways of doing things that it's going to give us richer thinking. But we, we've got to have the tools to navigate that and show that the respect it de- deserves. So I, I love that that phrase of, of being comfortable with the discomfort. It's just saying that, OK, when that discomfort happens, that's when the magic's happening. That's when we've got different perspectives coming together. But, but being respectful to it and, and being able to connect through it. So yes, it's bringing all those wonderful differences of a team together to to really support our, our communication and our work as a team.
0: Great, Simon. Great. We have covered quite a bit of this topic. And, you know, it's nice to know about things about, you know, growth mindset, resilience, utility and, you know, and the power of human connection. So my last question, it's not a question, but how do people learn more from you? How can they connect with you? How can they learn more about what you do, what your company is, the color code is all about, you know, Uh, please tell us so that they can connect with you directly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to, to hear from people and have those discussions. Um, I'm not a big hard sell person. I, you know, I'd like to hear people's challenges and see how we can support them. Um, and I'm not saying we've got the answer to to everyone's problems, but I'd love to connect with, with different people. So come and find me on LinkedIn. So uh, I think you'll have my uh, my details there for LinkedIn. I'm, I'm yes. on LinkedIn most days. Um, and also my uh, my company website. So um, nz. Or my email address, simon at the color um, So, yeah, whichever one of those is, uh, is the most appropriate for you, but I'd, I'd love to hear from you and, and have some of these discussions. Right, right. I'll
0: include as much information also on the YouTube description so that uh, if people can directly go from there.
1: Yeah, and if if people aren't ready for a phone call or you know they, they don't want to talk just yet, jump on our website and there's a there's a video that talks about the insights model um, and yeah it's it's been used by some of the the world's biggest companies and we're yeah we're very proud to be a partner of insights here in New Zealand. Great, great Simon. I think that it's it's very nice to talk to you and something
0: you know thinks about human, and you know when you talk more about. Humanity and human beings, you also start feeling a bit more like human. Otherwise, the day starts with, you know, social media and a lot of other stuff. And and you almost forget that there are so much other essential things to talk on. So we have done that part on the essential human skills for the future. And thank you very much for your time. With this, it's a wrap on this edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so
1: much indeed. Thanks, Ajay. Great to speak to you. All the very best.